powder coating contributes about $11 billion every year to the $155 billion coatings world. That's only about 12% of the market and 2,600 kilotons of powder free of toxic, messy solvents. As custom coders, we know it's one of the biggest selling points to our industry. So why doesn't the average consumer searching for green products know more about these safer, more green finishes? Today, we speak with Andrew Pace, a green coating specialist that helps everyday people find sustainable solutions for healthier environments in their homes and businesses. He covers the single most important way we can market ourselves to get the word out better to attract new business. Get ready to level up your powder coder game. Welcome to Ross Coates Powder Coder Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kim Scott, where we interview influencers and talk about trending topics so you can learn and grow your powder coating business. Today's topic is how to fish for new customer streams with powder coating to bring home the green. Before we get started with all of that, I do want to give a shout out to our lovely supporters of the Patreon and our patrons of the show. It's a growing list of followers and we're very pleased to welcome Green Mountain Media Blasting and Powder Coating. They're the newest guys to get on board. We've got Powder Works, Nate's Coating, Donnie over at Anchorage, Alaska Powder Coating. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Dale from Australia and so many more. Reno from Armor Coatings. Thank you. So anyways, I want to show you how you can go and sign up for the show to become a patron. And that is right here. So this is our list. It's a growing list and I'm happy to have everybody go over to our website at rosscoat.com and when you click on the upper right hand corner you can see that we have where you can go ahead and just sign up for just a dollar a month i would love that it just shows me that you're listening and we'll give you a personal shout out on facebook and you can also sign up to be an avid listener where you can get some cool swag from maui powderworks just got all my new t-shirts and all my new hats and stuff and we still have a couple of bonus blast guides i use them all the time for customers it's a surface preparation guide we have a couple more of these left and I think we've got one or two other items too that we can send you, which is the anniversary giveaway. We have one of those coolers left that were powder coated by a friend of ours with our logo on it. And then of course the super fan, you get a lot more. We're gonna do a private invite only. It's going to be a patron coaching session where we're gonna bring on some powder coaters uh, to ask one-on-one -on -one questions. So that is coming up. We're still planning it out, but yeah will be there. So there's all the people that follow us. Become and be part of the show as well. Now, I'd like to introduce today's guest. Andrew Pace is a healthy home concierge and founder of the Green Design Center. 
a leading source for homeowners and contractors looking to source products that are healthy and green and receive expert consulting advice on designing and building healthy green homes. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. So I want to show people your website because I found you through a podcast guest hosting Mm -hmm. kind of connection app. And it's so important, especially since we're in the industry It was so refreshing to see your profile because everybody's there for business or for entrepreneurship and for social media and some of the other general kind of categories. But it's very rare to find someone with your qualities out there. And I'm happy that you said yes right away to our little tiny niche industry podcast. (laughs) And because I think you have maybe I'm hoping that you have. The secret that we're going to be talking about in today's show, and that is how do we get under the noses of contractors, architects, and other industry people that will call the spec for powder coating? In our previous show, episode 43, which was just published a few weeks ago, we had Kevin Corson from the Powder Coating Institute on. And he's always a yes man. He always says yes to come in on the show, which I just love. And he he does know a lot about the industry. But my complaint as a custom coder was, are you doing enough to support custom coders? You want custom coders to join your group and be part of it. But I don't necessarily feel the love in terms of supporting and community support, right? And they do lots of things at the Powder Coating Institute, but from someone as a member, I'm on committees and I hear all these people and they're very smart, but I don't know if you know this, but we actually just are now on the architectural committee at the Powder Coating Institute, finally submitting a call spec for architects mm-hmm. to copy and paste into their, into the, what is it? The, the bid documents. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we never had that before. So right. we're, we, it hasn't been approved yet. I think we just submitted it and I'm probably talking more than I should about what we're doing there, but it needs to get out because when I take calls and I just took one from a very large contractor here in the state, who's building a school, you can tell they're like, so it says I need powder coating. Like they have (laughs) no idea what it is. Even the the project manager, the facilitators, the the architects, sometimes they call and they don't know either. So Mm -hmm. I guess what we're looking for from you today is how are we going to get under the noses and market ourselves business to business? Because those businesses work directly with the consumers or the customers, the residents, the people that you serve. And that's why I have you on the show today. Yeah. I'll I'll say first off regarding the push to get a, an architectural specification written is honestly, that has to be done. And I spent years in the commercial construction industry. I was president of one of the largest architectural associations in Wisconsin a couple of times even though I'm not an architect myself, but I was a manufacturer's representative and I would help architects write specifications for the correct materials for the project. 
And although it was time consuming and sometimes a, a futile effort, because how often do you work hard on a specification only for the whatever you were working on? That's the first thing that gets taken out of the project if they, when they go over budget. But right. what I always learned was if you're in the specification to start with, that's the first foot in the door. And if you're not in the specification, now you really have a hard time even talking about getting into that project. Having that base specification put into AIA or CSI master format, so it's going to be there. It's in that CSI master format of specifications, and it will always be there, is a conversation starter. And from that point, you can then talk about specific materials for a specific project. And so that definitely is paramount on a, for a commercial basis. For residential, that's not really going to help much. You need both. Yeah, yeah and it, it, that's funny how it kind of just goes right out the window. And the only time they really call for it is because it has to be super durable or it's mm-hmm. going outside. It's not necessarily right now about health and sustainability, which I just saw your two background posters there. And I'm like, how is it that health and sustainability just goes right out the window when you figure it should be number one? But I think that the Mm -hmm. mentality is changing, wouldn't you? Without a doubt. I think that I have the benefit of being in the construction industry for about 32 years. And I remember what it was like when I first got started. And maybe that's why I'm different than a lot of the other podcasters that are out there because I'm a little bit older and I didn't grow up with this stuff, the technology of social media and all that. But I just have 30 plus years of experience. And I can tell you what happened from decade to decade, at least as far as my involvement was. And I'll say that since the zenith of the green building industry, commercially and residentially, actually, was about 2005. The U.S. Green Building Council started in the mid to late 90s. The LEED program started in the late 90s, early 2000s. By 2005, there were hundreds of companies across the United States promoting green building technologies. And it was really starting to take off. Then the market crashed and real estate crashed. And all the money came out, went out of construction. It was the first time in history that new construction and remodeling both went down at the same time. Usually new construction goes down, remodeling goes up because you got to put your investment dollars somewhere. Everything was dropping so fast. The prices of real estate was dropping so fast that nobody wanted to invest in it. So it just stayed, stayed stagnant for a few years. That money came back into the market in the 2012, 2013. And now that it's 10 years after that, what we're finding is people who were really interested in green back in the mid 2000s are now interested again in green, but they are focusing completely on health of the human occupant. So those dollars are out there. The awareness level for healthy building has never been as much as it is right now. It's never been this high. And you can also thank if you'd like to thank the pandemic, you can thank the pandemic because people have spent so much time in their homes staring in every corner of the of their spaces saying, I've got to fix this. I got to fix that. And because everybody's cooped up in the house, you've got people doing working remotely from the office. You've got kids working on schoolwork right next to them. 
And people are finally deciding that if I'm going to do something in my house, maybe we should do it in a healthier manner. So people are looking for new, exciting ways to make their home remodeling, home building healthier. And this is why I think your industry is really poised to take off because I've been recommending powder coated materials for years because for me as a healthy home consultant, healthy building consultant, I look for ways to not only reduce the toxicity of the materials being used, but more importantly, reduce the overall chemical load or chemical soup that's in the space. And I look at it this way. Sometimes you got to take a step backwards to take two steps forwards. So from a chemical standpoint, I'll never say that all the materials used in the production of pre-finished hardwood flooring and pre-finished metal components, whether it's a UV cured or, or coated materials, I can't say that those materials are going to be completely free of health hazards and toxins during the application. But what I can say without any uncertainty is that after they're fully cured and they're in the space that it's supposed to be in, they will be safer than any other site finished materials. Yes, I agree with you. And I think here's the crux. You've got a very educated or getting educated consumer. And then you have the powder coating industry, and we're shouting, hey, we're over here. We've been here for 50 plus years, 70 right. years. And then you have this, this sort of cog in the middle that is like, huh, what? You know, <laughs> and it's, there's this blockage happening right. and there's not enough. And that's where I think you come in with your lovely website, which I should share my screen. Let me get it up so I can share it because you answer it all right here on your website. And it's a beautiful website. It's very consumer friendly. Here's your podcast, which I did listen to. And (laughs) of course, the one that attracted me the most was the one you did on refinishing furniture because Uh, that's my, that was my jam for many years. So I really did thoroughly enjoy that um, episode and you knew I I was testing you listening to that show because I know you sell paints and stuff like that on your website, but I was like, does he really know? Because I'm going to listen and yeah. stuff like that. So that, uh, well, I appreciate that. One of the things I, I always like to talk about with my, whether it's customers or listeners is the reality of the situation. And it's, for me, it's not about selling anything, especially on the podcast. It's about educating Yeah, And it doesn't do us any good to talk about how wonderful our products are and how well they work, but not be able to discuss how they need to be applied. Mm -hmm. And probably even more importantly, the the preparation required in order to receive the, the product properly. Yeah especially restoration. When it's new, it's easier to prep, but you start getting into older things and cast kind of metals and composite stripping for composite metals and stuff. It gets complicated because that's where you really need to understand the nature of your industry. And that's the first thing that people say. And I'm asking them questions that probably most people wouldn't ask. And then at the end of the call, they're like, thank you so much. And that's it's always been our position is we don't want you to spend money with us and we don't want you to throw good money after bad. That's our point. Right. And the the last thing anybody 
any of us need is a call back saying what you recommended didn't work. And so the more information, the better. Yes, exactly. And you cover it all. You do the coatings um, and then you've got some rugs. It's you're not just focused on finishes. You're doing the whole home kind of thing here and stuff. So my my background, when I first got it started in the business in the construction industry, my specialty was industrial coatings. And so that's what I know. And that's what I love. Uh, all coatings of all kinds. But when we became the first distributor dealer for healthy building materials back in 1992, mm-hmm. we also found that people needed this and needed that. They needed cabinetry, they needed flooring materials, they needed mattresses, anything that we can find that we can provide a healthier version of. We will retail, provided that it meets our criteria for what is healthy, what is safe. Yeah, I think you've got a millennial generation that is way more aware. They don't necessarily have the skills sets like Gen X people or baby boomers where they just did it themselves, DIY'd it and stuff like that. They're actually the kind of the way I understand the millennial generation is that they're less tinkery right? Mm -hmm. Less DIY, Mm -hmm. more just bring me what I want or what I need. There's a term in there that I'm forgetting what it's called, but that's basically who they are. They're now starting to have children and grow families. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of stuff is very top of mind. It's interesting. Uh, I do consulting on uh, projects all over the world. And I can tell you that my customer base probably ranges from 21 years old up to I have um, a customer who's 80 years old. And, and surprisingly, she's very accustomed to Zoom calls now. So she sets up a Zoom call really easily because of the pandemic. People have learned how to use Zoom. Yeah. Uh, but what I find is the younger homeowners it's interesting. These consulting calls that I do, I literally spend an hour with them teaching them the steps to do the job. Now I'm talking about small home remodeling things with them. I'm certainly not going to be able to teach them the steps on how to powder coat a chain link fence, but that's, that's just way beyond what they're going to be able to do, but uh, they don't have the equipment and so forth. But the fact is that it's interesting for my older clients, we're talking about things that they just know already that it's, they had their parents taught them the, the, the how to's and so forth. And the younger generations just didn't have that much involvement with doing home projects. And this is why they're looking for homes that have already had that stuff done. So they don't have to touch a thing, but if, but if there are projects need to be done. So I spend time teaching them how to do the prep work. I spend, it's amazing. I spend half the time just teaching them terminology that I'm going to use in the conversation. And, but they are also sponges for information. I I find that the younger generation that I work with, when they call back to set up a new appointment, they've done six hours of research on what I talked about. And the, and so now they've like got themselves up to speed really fast. So it's it's just amazing. I, I, I really appreciate that because they, they'll keep me on my toes then. Yeah. And is it because they're coming to you because they have allergies or some illness or what are some of the reasons why you get these one-on-one calls? 
30 years ago, people reached out to me because we are the only source in the country for truly uh, toxin-free, hazard-free paints and coatings for their home. And people who reached out to me were people who had what's called multiple chemical sensitivity. MCS is a disease that anybody can get. It's not something that you really catch. It's something that you're born with. And what I mean by that is the best way to describe it is everybody when they're born with the ability to filter out pollutants from their body, right? That's, we all have that ability. However, some people just based on their genetics, they don't have the capacity that most people do. Hmm. So if you think of having this 55 gallon drum in your body that collects pollutants and at the bottom is a filter, and then so the body filters it out. This is what the kidneys do. They filter out pollutants of the body. Some people's drum gets filled up faster than others. And once that drum starts to overflow with pollutants, yeah. it sets off a triggered reaction. And these are people who have multiple chemical sensitivity. Any chemical that's chemically related to the one that caused the overflow can cause the same overflow. So these are people who I, I have customers who would go into anaphylactic shock if they came across somebody wearing perfume or cologne. I have customers who have lived in one room of their home coated with aluminum foil for a decade. They never left that room for a decade because they couldn't tolerate the off-gassing from other building materials, from other people, from what they're wearing, their, not only their cologne, but the shampoo used in the morning from the laundry detergents. It's also called 21st century illness as a way to describe okay. what's going on. And it's, it's a whole host of factors that lead up to the fact that there are about 25% of the public has a chemical sensitivity, maybe not extreme, but a sensitivity. And if you know anybody who uses a certain soap and they get a rash, yes, that's, that's a sensitivity. Personally, for me, if I run across isocyanates, I'll get a head to toe rash. I found that out the hard way, working with two-part urethanes and head-to-toe rash. Wow. And on three months of prednisone just to get... And so these are serious situations. And so this is what my customer base was 30 years ago. Today, my customer base is probably half, 50% would be people like that. The other 50% would be people who have absolutely no sensitivities whatsoever, but they just understand the reasons why people become chemical sensitive, why they start to have reactions. It could be somebody who has an asthma or severe allergies already. Maybe they have mold sensitivities and they need to be around materials that don't contribute to a mold problem in a home. So it's usually just people who want to live in a healthier space or work in a healthier space and they know there's a better way to do it. Knowing what you know about powder coatings and their durability and obviously they're chemical resistance and chip and, and scratch resistance, their UV color fading, color fastness. Here's the key question to this whole podcast. Mm -hmm. How do we market to right. these types of people that are your customers? Right. What is the easiest, simplest way to do that? Is it something, do we put a sign in our showrooms? Do we put social media posts out? What's the practicality around marketing to these people? So in the paint and coatings industry, the biggest buzzword right now is, or buzz phrase is 
zero VOC or VOC free. Mm-hmm. Now, between you and I and everybody listening to the podcast, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, are regulated by the EPA because of their propensity to create outdoor air pollution. It has nothing to do with human health, it has to do with outdoor health. Inside of a home, you don't have to worry about carbon-based molecules creating low-level smog because you don't. that's not the environment for that. That's a few uh, dozen miles up from us. All right. But the industry has found this as a way to market to people to allude to the fact or the idea that their products are healthier. The powder coatings industry, the the fact that it's going on dry and it's being, for lack of a better term, baked in. Right. Means that there are no volatile because there's no solvent to evaporate. So the product is naturally VOC free. The product is by design. VOC free. That needs to be the biggest point to market the products to consumers because even though I I say all day long to my customers that the VOC level of products means absolutely nothing to human health, they look at this as the one of the biggest reasons why they buy certain products. Think of it like 20 years ago in the food industry when uh, they started marketing products as being fat free. It didn't matter whether the product had fat in it to begin with or not. You just right. marketed it as fat-free and people bought it. <laughs> That's so a good with example. your industry, it starts the conversation. Well, you say it's VOC-free, and then you can say, of course it is, because we don't use these solvents. We don't have to use something that cures on site. We don't have to use something that evaporates for two to five years after it reaches a full cure. That's that other industry. We do things safer by design. Very well said, Andy. Very well said. And until you said it, I felt like I didn't know what the answer was. But now that you said it, it it totally makes sense. You know what I mean? And maybe that's a new inroad is to creating new terminology for your kind of customer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not even for my kind of customer, but think of it from a commercial standpoint when you're talking about writing the, the, the commercial specification. VOC regulations are such across the United States that every every coating, every liquid applied material that cures on site has to be below a certain threshold for VOCs based upon not only lead standards, but CARB compliancy, the California Air Resource Board. There's all these different agencies out there that limit VOC emissions. And so think about who your number one competitor is, powder coating liquid applied materials, correct? Yeah. There you go. I mean, that that sets you apart immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Said, thank you. I think another trend that kind of goes along with is the Home Depot customer too, because mm-hmm. there, when home building became home building and started trending maybe in the late 90s, very early on in the late 90s, but really in the early 2000s, where you buy a home and you fix it up and then you flip it or you this or HDTV and all of that stuff. I think it was when people started to shop for their own goods to build and DIY their kitchen or bathroom or remodel or whatever. It was when they started reading, what does this product do and what's, and then they started reading what's in it, right? 
back when we were painters and we were using oil-based polyurethanes to clear coat over the faux finishing we were doing or the staining or whatever we were doing. We chose those products for durability and longevity because we're on an island. So I didn't want this person calling me back six months later. It's all sticky or icky or whatever, (laughs) you know, because you don't know what they're cleaning them with or how they're Mm -hmm. maintaining them. So like for the lack of like paranoia Mm -hmm. to relieve my paranoia, we opted for the kind of heavier stuff, even if it affected our own health. At this point, Ross is so allergic to polyurethanes. He can't even, it's the same kind of thing that you were saying earlier, but on the back of the can, it's this lovely little saying that says delayed effects from long-term overexposure. (laughs) On a serious side, it's laughable that they have to put that on there, but at the same time, on the serious side, I know so many painters here on the island, and I don't think it's just island. I think it's just painters in general, the guys that do wall painting, Mm -hmm. exterior painting, stuff like that. A lot of them are alcoholics because how many times did you come home with a paint headache and the easiest thing to get rid of a paint headache is to have a open up a beer or have a drink or mm-hmm. something like there. He's photobombing me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to do it. He had to do it like one time. But anyways, on one hand, it's Joe kind of ha ha. But on the other hand, it's like, wow, that's so many of the painters that I've as in that industry mm-hmm. are either just total alcoholics right. or have passed away from alcoholism or, right. and, it, and that that's the sad part about paint coatings. And it probably doesn't get discussed enough. Um, no, you're right. But, yeah. I did a presentation several years ago for the paint and decorating contractors association. This is probably about 10, 15 years ago. And I got a room full of painters, both uh, house painters and industrial painters. And I bring up the subject about how a lot of the chemicals that are used in paints and coatings are actually classified as narcotics. Now, when you look at an MSDS sheet or a safety data sheet, you're not looking at an ingredients. And this is what consumers think that you look at an MSDS. Actually, a lot of professionals think that you look at an MSDS and by law, you have to tell them everything that's in that product that's dangerous. And that's completely false. Yeah. An MSDS sheet by law is designed to give you information in case there's a spill somewhere. And so it only has to list hazardous ingredients if they make up more than 1% of the volume or B, it's not part of a proprietary blend. Part of a proprietary blend, you don't have to talk about what's in the product. If it's If it makes up less than 1%, you don't have to list it, which means you can actually have 45 different ingredients in that paint that that are less than 1% and you don't have to list any of them. This is where you have things like formaldehyde donors and and precursors. This is where you have narcotics. And so I I mentioned this in my presentation and the entire room, about 50 or 60 painters just went silent. And I thought just lost, I lost this crowd, but I had several of them come up to me afterwards, like privately to say, you are exactly right. He said, the reason why you got the response you got is because half the people in this room are probably alcoholics or drug addicts. And he said, it, I totally understand. And, and we all lose friends every year because of this. And it needs to be discussed. And I don't know who and where to start this conversation, but it is a serious problem. And 
you know, this, this is also a reason why I get painting contractors complaining about some of the products we supply. And they'll complain about how horrible it smells, even though it doesn't have a smell. The how horrible it is because they're not getting that fix, actually, of what they're used to. I, I hired a painting contractor several years ago for a modeling project, and he did the work on Friday, came back on Monday, and he said, that was the first time in 30 years I actually slept this weekend. Wow. It's it, what you're saying is it's psychosomatic. And I'm going to tell you exactly how I know this. So when I first discovered you, I went to that podcast that talked about the furniture refinishing or how mm -hmm. to furniture refinish safely. And while I was listening to you talk about all the different kinds of paint coatings out there, stains and stuff, I literally smelt the polyurethane. <laughs> Wow. in my head. Like I knew I'm sitting here in my office. Yeah. I know there is nothing nearby that. Mm -hmm. And I smelled it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's this, it, there is a psychosomatic for sure level to it as well. Yeah. It's crazy how the brain works. Um, it is. And then think about all of these things that we've discussed just in these last few minutes. And this is why your industry has such potential. It's not only, it's not only the health of the occupant, but it's the health of the applicator and not having to go through all this. I think it's just an absolutely enormous benefit. It's the one reason why we're in powder coatings today, because we knew we couldn't continue on doing what we were doing. Personally, from a business perspective, we'd already pretty much done everything. We went through the whole phase of changing whitewashed furniture back into wood colored furniture and extending the life of 40 year old furniture and this and that we pretty much had done it all and at the time we were remodeling ourselves and we we were starting to realize the effects of being around just typical everyday building products right. so i think the reason why we got into powder coatings personally we don't talk about it but just that's on the underpinning of why we got into Maui Powder Works and doing powder coating. I didn't want to see my husband break out in hives. It took us a little while to get out of it. Um, it took us a good two years to transition completely out of paint and into powder coatings 100%. And the difficult part about it was facility-wise, we were limited in space. And so if I got a big job, then we'd have to shut down the powder coating side and then switch it back into painting. And it became more and more difficult to switch in and out of those two. And that's when we realized, hey, this powder coating thing is better. Right. Like, it's right. Way, le way less more work and maintenance and cleanup and all of that. And so there's a lot of upside and you definitely need big facility in order to do both, right? Or bigger than what we had. One of the things I want to talk about, and I don't know much about it yet, it is on the forefront and it is being promoted through some of the major paint suppliers. And that is powder coatings on wood are beyond MDF. We're talking about powder coated cabinetry. I think that if they could make that work, they're just getting into it now. It's really on the forefront. Have you heard about it first? And because we did a podcast on it, I want to say it yes. was like episode 23 or something like that, where I had IFS 
come out with their peer clad is what it's called. Okay. Have you heard of that yet? I've heard of it, but I can't seem to wrap my head around the, the method because it's just, to me, it doesn't make sense, but also it makes sense that it, it would be a, if it can be done, it would be a game changer in, totally. in the industry. Right now I work with, for instance, kitchen cabinet companies that can make cabinets out of formaldehyde free plywood and they can use FSC certified wood. So it's completely healthy and green but then the coatings and they all say, oh, we can use water base. That doesn't matter. Water base just means that 50% of the liquid is water and the rest can be a solvent. Right. So it, and this is the big thing, especially for my customers, any coating that gets applied and cured either on site or just naturally cures without the help of baking or UV, any of these coatings have the potential to off gas anywhere from two and a half to four and a half years after they reach a full cure. Now, off-gassing in my industry is different than off-gassing in your industry. I understand that. In my industry, what off-gassing means is once a coating reaches a full cure, and so for any water-based coating, that's anywhere from a week to 10 days. Solvent-based can be a little bit different. But once a coating reaches a full cure and that film has been formed completely, there's no more evaporation of solvents. This is when off-gassing starts. Off-gassing is the release of unreacted chemical monomers that never will become part of the film. So think of it not steam coming off a bowl of hot water. That's the curing process. Think of it as dust coming off of a surface. And this dust, these small chemical monomers, is what people with sensitivities react to. Ah. It's what um, raises typically raises formaldehyde levels in homes. And so in the, in for like commercial or, or residential kitchens and woodwork and so forth, if they still can't use coatings that are free of chemical off-gassing, it still means that I cannot create a perfectly healthy home for clients. If there's a way to perfect the application of powder coating on wood, I think it's a game changer. It completely changes now how we can specify for homes, for offices, it eliminates our form of off-gassing. Yeah, it would be a game changer and it would transform a whole new industry. The problem right now, obviously, for early onboarders to these systems is the number one, extremely expensive to get into mm -hmm. and retool. Yeah. And secondly, I think the environment or the manufacturing process has to be so spot on and like in the zone for it. Think of it as a target. The right. zone for that is so tiny. Right. You know what I mean? For right. error. I think it's a little too early. I think if they could broaden the range or the production or productivity for error a little wider, maybe. I know that the people that are behind these kinds of products and delivering them, it has been probably a very huge amount of investment of time, capital, resources. It's on some of them, it's taken three different industries to come together, mm -hmm. which isn't easy either from the line system 
equipment side to the product side to the the process side. And of course, it's all hush and secret and everybody's got their own corner. But yeah, I you can see on the outside, you can see the investment, you can see the announcements about it and stuff. How they're converting people, I haven't seen that yet. I've seen a few people talk about it in industry magazines. We had IFS on talking about it too, where he went right into the more of the, what he could discuss about the process and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I hope, and I'm sure someday soon when it, when that match gets lit, it's going to be huge and it'll be worldwide and it'll be great for everyone. How soon we're there, I don't know. It's going to be a combination of equipment pricing becoming more in line with current pricing for standard type of application. And we keep in mind the traditional paint and coatings industry is going to fight tooth and nail to keep it from happening. True. Because they're going to lose market share. On the other hand, the same companies that are involved are probably at the very high level. It's the same type of, it's the Axel Nobels of the world and the, and the very large companies that are involved in, in this they may see this as the, there are signs that we already see this. I and mean, there are certain types of coatings we can't ship into certain states because of regulations. And if we can create products that are now more universally accepted for shipping you know, and for transportation around the world, I think that it's just going to make everything a little bit easier. It's just you're dealing with having to turn the the SS Queen Mary and it's just <laughs> it takes a long time for that sucker to turn. Yeah, you do see it. I you're starting first of all you're starting to see uh, mergers and acquisitions happening because these bigger companies they know they can't do it all on their own. They have to go and invest in a company. So like a perfect example is PPG. They're kind of compared to Exalta and Axel Nobel. They're a little later in the game of switching to creating sustainability goals because that's what the world wants them to do in, mm-hmm. in particular Europe because that's the model that we're follow that will eventually follow. And so they realize they can't meet these goals without attaining companies that are already, there's lots of different ways you can attain a goal. So they can do it internally, like making everything zero paperless and going to e-com and that kind of stuff. But you can also buy a company that is already, so they're buying into, to meet their goals or their goalposts or their milestones. And then they're working internally with products like this cabinet or wood powder coatings and stuff like that. I think we'll get there. I don't know if we'll get there at the level. Talking to you is refreshing because you are already successful in the health and sustainability coatings business. And I have not found anybody else in that space. I think you were probably one of the early on people. And that's a good thing because now you're a leader in the space. And I think that people, companies that are thinking about this and have this on top of mind, powder coating companies will do well if they do start this. It might take a little while, but it will happen. So bridging that gap, either you adopt a new system or you promote the system that you're currently in to bridge the, that the gap in the market. And there's lots of gaps in our market, the podcasts. And you look at the, all of the personal energy you need to expend to, to either keep your business going the way it is, 
or to delve into something new. And then you, you have to take a step back and say, where do I want to be in 10 years? Right. Do I want to still be pushing this old tire technology that's getting by, but it's killing us along the way? Or do I want to just finally move on to something else and be part of, I think, an exciting industry because it's still new. It's still something that is creating a buzz. And I, that's where I look at it. And I've been doing this for 30 plus years. And I still look at this as a, a an industry that's still creating a buzz. And that gets me going every day. That's why I come into the office every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's not something that's going to end anytime soon. No, I, I think that without mentioning what our country and our globe just went through the last couple of years, really brought it to the forefront, just health-wise, health and right. just putting it on the map. Let's have a conversation about this. It's going to happen. It's not something that's going to end. It's only going to continue to grow. And yeah, I think it's awesome. And yeah. if there's ever was a time to jump into it, now is the time. Because yeah. as you say, what we just went through, this is top of mind for everybody. Human health is top of mind for everybody. And it's a much easier sell now because people don't look at you funny when you start talking about it. They understand it. Okay, great. Tell me how we can do this. And I think that, yeah, I use this as an opportunity for sure. This is a great way to close our um, our podcast. What is the one question you wish people would ask you <laughs> in an interview that maybe share something about yourself that's different or off topic? What is that? And you shared it earlier with me, yeah. so let's talk about it now. It's, it's interesting it's because I, I, for 30 plus years, I've been doing this and I have people, friends and uh, in the industry who will refer to me as the walking encyclopedia because of the things that I know about paints and coatings and whatnot. But what they never ask is, what do you do on the weekends? They just assume <laughs> that I am just doing this 24 seven. Honestly, on the weekends, uh, and I, I'm, this is funny you asked this, several years ago, I traveled to Scotland and studied whiskey of all things. It's we talked I we talked earlier about alcohol abuse and in, in paints and coatings and mind you I was never a painter myself but I really took a liking to scotch whiskey and the history of it, the production of it. Right. I, I I honestly don't drink much myself but I love the history, I love the production I love the, just the romance of the industry. And so I became a Scotch whiskey sommelier mm -hmm. and I now conduct private tours and tastings. And that's a, one of my hobbies. I'm going to, I'm going to, this has got me going because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, what, what could we do? Because it's such an offshoot from what you're doing now, but at, at the same time, you're still taking your ability to educate yourself and you're in depth. You have an in-depth approach to anything you do, right? So yes. I'm wondering what that could be for Kim and Ross. A friend of mine in the industry was the president of Brown Form, who is the owner of Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he retired from Brown Foreman many years ago and he moved to Hawaii. Well, he couldn't stay out of the industry too long because once a, a distilling whiskey is in your blood, it just doesn't go away. He's, it's like these old Kentucky moonshiners. Mm -hmm. And so he started a distillery in Hawaii making whiskey out of pineapples. Yeah. Oh, it's, we have a huge micro business here. Yep. Uh, and so he started that years ago and then he moved back to Kentucky 
and started a distillery there again. And so that's how we got connected. But um, still, I think that, uh, again, it's fun. It's educational. I put on these two, three hour uh, tasting sessions and I teach people about how it's made, you know, what to look for, what to smell, what to taste. And again, it's just an ability. It's my ability of being able to retain information I've learned and then share it with others. And like I say, I don't really drink much myself. I'll hold up a glass and sniff it. And, but I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun and it's a way to use those same skill sets, but in a, a more um, fun way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. How can people find your business, find more about you? Where are you on social media? That sort of stuff. Thank you. We are all over social media. Of course, our website, which you put up before, it's thegreendesigncenter.com. Yeah, let me do that again. And from there, you'll find information about my, my consulting. I not only consult to homeowners, but I consult to businesses and to commercial companies. I have my own podcast. It's called Non-Toxic Environments, three words. And we're on anywhere you find your podcast. I'm sure we'll be on iTunes, Spotify. And then you can always find me on LinkedIn if you want to connect. And we even have Instagram pages and so forth. But from our website here, you can really find all of our contact information. Yeah, it's a beautiful site, by the way, too. It's very easy to use. And it's got that clean appeal that people are looking for, too. We try to make it as easy as possible because there are thousands of items out there that we can provide, but we try to make it as easy to navigate as we can. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Andy. It's good to get to know you. You're easy to talk to. And thanks for exploring something that has just been itching in my mind for a very long time. We've struggled locally to not only just build Maui Powder Works out and get under the noses of contractors and homeowners and stuff like that. Automotive, it's no brainer and it's working. It's just a very slow toe. We're also trying to not just build locally, get information out there to share in the state in general, just education wise, like you said earlier, just educate and Mm -hmm. um, grow the industry as a whole for our state. Because we're not the only powder coater here, but so many of us struggle with that. So well, you have a voice and, and, and you have a successful podcast and you're doing video and so forth. You've got a voice. And what I learned years ago, and I'm sure you've seen too, is it's a rising tide lifts all ships. And if you can raise awareness about you and your company and what you're doing, you're raising awareness about the industry in general. And I think everybody benefits. And I applaud you for that because it's, it takes a lot of work and people who don't have a podcast and don't have a YouTube channel. They don't understand how much work it really is to keep it up, especially for people like me, because I didn't grow up with technology, but it is, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's a labor of love. And and I, I couldn't see myself doing it any other way. Yeah. It's a new world out there. And I think technology makes it easier, but yet doesn't make it easier because you still have to learn the technology and we're not posting as much as we used to. When we first got it going, things were much slower here at Maui Powder Works. Now Mm -hmm. things are back to normal levels. It is making it harder. I do miss and people right. are busy. It's hard to get schedules and stuff like For that. Sure. So uh, we're continuing to try to 
put out as much content as we can to our very loyal listeners. And yeah, I want to change the world. I want to affect my world, even from Hawaii. I just went through a cohort where we had a local, he's native Hawaiian, and he's very good at expressing what makes Hawaii so special and why the world needs Aloha needs Hawaii. <laughs> our state is just coming into our own. And it's been a torrid past. It was a kingdom that was taken over, some say illegally. There's a lot of drama in the history. We've had a melting pot of people from all over the world working in plantations. And so we have that. There's a lot of whitewashing and, and colonialism and talk of all these things, yet it's all just in our past and we can't erase the past. Uh, But we can certainly take what makes us unique and special and share it with the world. That's pretty much who we are at Maui Powderworks is just sharing it and connecting with others. That's really what it is. Hawaiians have this, the belly button is called the pico. But the Pico is really Hawaii, as Hawaiians were hundreds of years ago, they felt like Hawaii was the center of the universe. And so the Pico, it represents you and your community. It it, it grows from the belly button, right? Just like it did, you know, when you were in your mother's before you were born. It's really just that those roots or connections, they come from the belly button once you're born. So it's a very unique way um, of understanding the world and stuff above and below. Mm -hmm. And he, I was part of a, a lecture that he gave and that's basically what he was saying was just finding that connection, finding that way to the person or to the group or to the, that is what we should all be doing in our businesses. So I thank you for coming on today and doing your Pico. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute joy. And anytime you want me back, I'll be here for you. Oh, awesome. I love it. (laughs) Yes. Always happy to have repeat guests and stuff. Have a great day, everyone. Follow us, click the like button or smash the like button, whatever. I'm supposed to be saying that now more often. (laughs) Subscribe to our channel, follow us on the Podbean podcast platform or anywhere on social media. You'll find our podcast. We're pretty much everywhere at this point. And thanks again, Andy, for having us on the show and And have a beautiful day. Thank you. Aloha.